0: Level Up Entertainment podcast. On this show, we choose a topic that's interesting to us and then assemble a panel of experts or people with unique perspectives to discuss the topic of the week. This is our Pride Month special. We are going to talk a little bit about our orientations and to discuss queer representation in media. I'm your host, Scott, and joining me this week...
1: I'm Dolly. Hello. Uh, I use all pronouns. How's it going? Hey, I'm Haley. Uh, She, they...
0: Oh, yeah, I, I use he, him. I'm pretty cis. Um, so speaking of that, we'll go into our uh, orientations. Uh, I am a demiromantic asexual. Uh, I don't have my PowerPoint presentation on hand to explain that to people, but I'll quickly go through it. Uh, asexuality is a spectrum. It's not, I used to think it was just binary, like on or off, which led to a lot of confusion and ruined a lot of relationships for me. Um, but I, so I'm not sexually attracted to people, but I am romantically attracted to people and it's gender, uh, neutral and I, uh, Demi means I'm attracted to personality. Uh, so basically I want friends with benefits, but the benefits are health and dental. <laughs> uh, ha- uh, Haley, what's your orientation?
2: <laughs> Me, uh, so I am pansexual, demiromantic, so I'm not... I'm not, like, one hundo on the pansexual thing. I like to just say that my sexuality is whatever it decides to be that week. Um, it's just kind of always changing. And then, demi-romantic because I feel like I could... I don't really do romantic love often. It's very rare. Um, but it's always, like, with somebody who I just consider, like, a close friend, and it turns into that.
0: Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. And Dali, how about you? <clears throat>
1: um... I identify as genderqueer, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, so I do also consider myself trans and non-binary. Um, <clears throat> I'm still kind of figuring out, you know, if I like am a man and a woman, but I'm just kind of like, you know, it's, it's like all over the place, lots of things mixed together and that's cool. So I like genderqueer because um, it has queer in the name.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and... um And I'm gray romantic.
0: Um,
1: And I picked that because, or excuse me, I should, yeah, I picked it. I picked it. And I felt that was most appropriate for me because I do get crushes on people, but it's really infrequent. And a lot of times I fall in friend with folks. Um, But I'm also allosexual. So You know i'm also like cool hookup culture is great i'd rather get to know people through sex that's awesome Mm -hmm. um but uh you know on that front i'm queer too just you know everything forever (laughs) but um but yeah it's uh but yeah and and the gray romantic thing is recent for me um i for you know a while i didn't i wasn't really thinking about aromanticism as an identity and um uh you know, then I was just like, oh, there are people that feel similarly to this, and maybe this is kind of a thing, and I'm kind of falling into that too, so, but it's, it's cool, you know, so I guess everything is a little in flux, and that's okay too. I,
0: I, I can speak from experience here. There's a lot of labels, and it's very overwhelming and confusing, um, but basically what it comes down to is no matter how you feel one way or another about anything, there are other people that go are going through the same thing, so you Normally i don't care about labels and labeling myself, but it does it is easier um, however, like we just saw, we have to explain a whole bunch of things, so usually, I just kind of tell people I'm queer and then I just leave it at that
2: um, yeah especially to, hard. yeah like, i um i I struggle with it a lot like i I only use pansexual because it 's the closest thing I've got, and then I only use non binary because gender tornado just doesn't scan for everybody. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, that's fair completely. Yeah. Like that's why I said, like I pick gender queer because it has queer in it. So I'm like yeah. in sexuality, uh, romantic identity, gender, you know, style. Triple threat. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, that's uh that's the new triple threat No, That's the new that's the <laughs> it's the queer egot, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I like to describe it as like, oh, I have the worst possible combination where it's like, Oh, I'm attracted to all of my friends, but I don't want to be with anyone. So I'm just constantly in a state of like heartache a little bit um which is once i kind of knew how my brain worked and i could Mm -hmm. recognize like how i was being attracted to people um i was able to kind of manage myself a lot more and i've been a lot happier since then um so it's really worth like exploring your inner mind it's the knowing yourself is the hardest thing in the world and it's an ongoing process you know
1: absolutely you know and i think like one of the things that um that really kind of strikes. And a lot of us kind of really have to face um, when you're queer is this idea that you come out and that's it, you know, that it's like, okay, you're done. But like you said, Scott, we really need to talk about that. It's cool for your identity to be in flux and changing because the more you grow, the more you learn, the more you learn about yourself and who you are, you know, like, I've had friends, you know, come out as trans and then later say, oh, you know, I, I know this was the name I picked, but now that I'm more settled in my identity, this is a name I want to go by now. Like, is, I, 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 can I change my name again? And I'm like, change your name again. You know, and, like, cool. Can I you know can what I
2: happened to? Yeah. I'm, I'm in a similar boat. Like, I, um, so, so when I was younger, I, uh, I, the one thing I knew was that I wasn't like the boys. That's all I knew is I didn't fit in with them. And then because when you're a kid, you don't know anything else, you know the binary, you know boys and girls. So it left me to reason that, of course, I must just be a girl. So I operated under that assumption for a long time that I was, you know, going to be binary female um, for a long time. And we're talking about like up until last year, I was trying to make that work. And then just recently I was like, no, man, that's not me. I tried a lot of things like saying... Oh, I don't know. I'm just me. That's, I don't really care. I'm just me. That's who I am. But no, I, I decided to own up to being non-binary. I'm field testing new names now. Like it's, it's fun. You got to get awesome. to know yourself.
0: Yeah. I was about to say, uh, so we've, we've had a couple of our a long-term like comic customers at the store go through a transition and I always want to say something, but I also don't want to make anyone ever feel uncomfortable. And it's just like, it, it's always like, when do you say something? Then, like, like, did I wait too long? I think people—I don't know if I can speak for uh, anyone else or you know other cisgendered people, but it's probably worth just kind of asking. You know, what are you comfortable with your pronouns? What do you want me to call you now? Um, and even if you—they don't—even if you don't have anything, uh, that's hmm. also fine. You know, uh, if you're just kind of feeling yourself out. I don't want to talk too specifics. I don't want to call anyone out on the internet. Um, if cause you know, I don't know if anyone's comfortable, uh, with me doing that. Sure. Um, but I know Haley, when you worked at the store for a little while, yeah. um, when I had met you, you had, or you were, uh, you know, you said you, you went trans and you were binary female.
2: Mm-hmm. I did not
0: know you were trans for an embarrassingly long time. Um,
2: yeah I used to get that a lot
0: um, I think but part of that is because I th- I met you when you were already a woman so I was like alright whatever and I just moved on with my life Yeah, it, I knew no because I my brain doesn't really work good with like names and stuff and I, it's very hard for me to get out of habits and one of the things I'm trying to work on is just generally just using more of the them pronouns no matter what you know even if they're cis or trans or whatever um, just because I don't know what you necessarily want I don't want to offend anyone mm-hmm. Um, But changing behavior is very difficult, Um, and I know that it is, but I think as long as, I've talked to some other people in the community as well, and I think the general consensus is as long as you're making an effort, um, then it's, no matter what you're doing, it's okay.
1: And Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one thing um, I like to recommend to cis folks um, that are looking to gender gender neutralize their language is, like what you said, get used to using they-them pronouns for people you don't know at all. Like when I take, um, so at my, you know, at my day job, if I'm taking calls and stuff, and, you know, I'm talking to, you know, a lot of times like no one's introducing themselves, giving me their name and their pronouns, you know. Uh, so you know it's it's a very you know more like cis heteronormative type of environment but you know I try to work in the gender neutrality where I can so if I'll say oh you know hi is uh you know hi I'm I have a you know I'm calling for Denise are they available you know just like "Hmm?" you know because I don't know and then this way or it'll be kind of like oh cool look at that shirt that person's wearing they look really neat it's it's just, it's kind of super easy to start working that in there. And then once, you know, you get to know people a little bit more personally, uh, then kind of once you know, like, what pronouns they do use, it can be easier to kind of work in it from there. But little little ways, little steps, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's important. It's important to do it because, like, the more that we do it,
2: the more other people are going to hear us do it. And catch on. Like, it just starts to normalize. And I think that's a really important thing.
0: Well, that kind of goes into the the theme of the episode today, where we're talking about <laughs> queer representation and how, how it helps start a dialogue. Um, sorry, if you want to finish your thought there. If not, I'm gonna. I, I'm. Gonna, I want to kind of bring up my first show I want to discuss. You
2: no, know, that was like the that was like the semi-intentional segue. That okay, was the, the soft pitch.
0: I'll try to edit this out. But if you if you're seeing this, you're seeing the, how the sausage gets made. But um, <laughs> I'm 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 a late in life realize i've uh, realized my own sexuality uh, later in life i was already in my 30s um uh, but i was watching so i'd already been kicking around in my head for a little while because i you know i'd heard the term asexual. I was like, no, that kind of fits me but i was like can you be bi but like asexual and straight because i was i still mostly even though i'm demi i lean hetero um so i was like because i felt i've always felt romantic connections to some people but i was like oh, but I'm, that's not an... so i was struggling for a while and then uh in bojack horseman a depressed show a show about a depressed washed up actor horse um that, uh, one of his friends realizes he's ace and goes going through a similar uh uh journey as i did and then he joins a group where they discuss like all the different parts of the spectrum like oh my god this sounds uh exactly like it actually dolly here was the one i kind of talked to about that and i'm like Hey I think this is this this, and she kind of helped me, or you kind of helped me uh through through a bunch of this and you're actually the first person I came out to more or less then because of huh. that I didn't formally come I didn't formally come out to you because you were there when I was like realizing it myself morning, but yeah um but then I I once I you know I started coming out to people little drips and drabs at a time before I eventually just kind of I hadn't had to It took a while to come out to my family because it's like, you know, but uh, and then after that, well, I was like, well, then I'll post it on Facebook and whatever. Um, But that show really helped me go, uh, helped me, obviously helped me that. And that's because I, that's something I never heard about growing up. You know, you always heard about gays and lesbians and bisexual and like that was it. Uh, And then, you know, there's a whole, there's a whole world out there of, of different kinds of things that you know is, is underrepresented and fortunately you know we've been moving to the area now that there's been more representation but like it's been good because there's always been like there was always coded mm-hmm. gay characters and they're usually villains which is diff- you know which is problematic in its own way. Uh, like Ursula from The Little Mermaid is very clearly divine. Uh, and granted divine's maybe not like the, the paragon of virtues you should put put forward. So that's my dog. Um, I'll try to make sure she's not barking as much. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. That's just, it was good for me to see that up on screen. It was on a show I was already enjoying. So it helped even more.
1: Yeah. And it's really great because with Bojack, they were, you know, as far as I understand, as someone who's not on the ace spectrum, but from reading other ace people's experiences, Bojack did a pretty good job of um, having ace representation. And I remember really being excited uh, for when Todd first goes to the ace meetup and he learns that, you know, romantic and sexual identity are separate. And mm-hmm. they're like, they're like, no, 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 you, you can get married and still be asexual, man. Like, it's cool. <laughs>
0: yeah, the whole nautical themed wedding part's really great where he's like, he, he gets hung up on the fact that they had a nautical themed wedding. He's like, I have to do that. <laughs> um, but you yeah, know, I, can't, I can only speak from my experience, but that was kind of similar to mine, except I didn't yeah. have a, a group I could go to. I
2: think yeah. another, so another part about the same arc for the same character. I loved that they didn't just do the coming out episode and drop it like that. Yeah. That stayed core to the character for the rest of the series. And they went so far as to like give him a second arc where he realizes that, oh, just because I'm not straight doesn't mean I have to settle for the first person who I find that matches my... Oh. My orientation. I love that's,
0: that. That's great too, and I love the person he winds up with, uh, another asexual character, but she's played by an ace YouTuber. Um, oh, she's got, a, she's, got a, she's got a silly name on YouTube. I can't remember what it is. Uh, but if you if you you can, if you're listening to this, you have access to the internet, so you can find it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, like I I I really enjoy that, and I like when he came out to BoJack. I mean, I granted he made a, there was a pretty good joke there where you're like an asexual what Dynamo. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I like that. You know, that was kind of like a non-factor to him. It's nice to see people that are accepting, even as someone who's quite literally a terrible, terrible friend uh, as Bojack Horseman. Uh, was, that was like uh, like you just kind of accepted that part of him. And there's been no. Granted, there was a little pushback with. Uh, i see. This is where I'm bad with names. Uh, his hey, Lily. ex. Yeah, or the axolotl girlfriend. Yeah, when it came oh. out like to her parents. <laughs> um, which I can't. I can't remember her name.
1: Yolanda. I don't her name either. Yolanda. that was it.
0: Yeah. Um, which is a whole silly uh, sequence. If you ever watch the show, you really should. Um, so, personally for me, that was something very important. It literally changed my life. Uh, and for the better. Uh, now that I've known myself a lot more, I've been able to be a lot more happy. I'm much more comfortable being alone. I was always like, something's wrong with me. Uh, there's like, you know, why am I not like everyone else? Especially the older you get, it's like, you're supposed to have these checkpoints. It's like, oh, I'm supposed to be married now, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But now that I know that, like, yeah, that's fine. I'm very happy and comfortable in my own skin. Yeah. Which is, I have a lot of other problems I need to work on in therapy. But, you know, this is something, that, you know, nice, and the show gave it to me.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: I don't know if you guys have had a similar experience uh, with, with media.
2: I've had several. I've had several. Um I am just gonna I'm gonna dive right into the Do deep it. end of the Wii pool. We're gonna flash back to when I was 15 16 years old to Oran High School Host Club. Um Those High, are school some Host words. Club. Yep. High School. Oran High <laughs> School Host Club is a late novel manga anime Japanimation thing. Um so it's a series about this very rich, very well off school called oran Academy that's only attended by like really rich kids. And this uh, poor kid named Haruhi gets accepted in. So Haruhi uh, on their first day like breaks an expensive vase and becomes indebted to the host club, which is basically just, I think it's like six very pretty boys who serve tea to the girls. And like they're, the school knows them as, oh, they're the pretty ones, they're the elites. Um, Haruhi breaks a vase, becomes indebted to this club and has to join the club as a result, like to work off the debt. Um, they, like, start by, like, giving them new clothes, like, make them look like a rich kid, and all that. Um, to make them fit in with the boys in the club, and then later in the episode, every character starts to figure out, wait, he's not a boy. he's actually a girl. Um, or he is societally a girl, they've suggested that to Haruhi. Um, he all the while, is like, kind of oblivious to the fact that they've been confusing anyone because they're just like, oh, I just thought these looked fine on me. Like, I don't really care what anybody thinks I am. Mm -hmm. Um. So you wind up with this character who's like, kind of gender indifferent and is just as uncomfortable in like a fancy suit as they are in a frilly dress and kinda just doesn't wanna be the focus, and you get to see things like, uh, characters navigating attraction to Haruhi, like how do they, how do they feel about that with their sexuality? and yeah, it's just, it was a really neat exploration of not just, like, a trans character, but, like, a gender-indifferent character. And that really, like, hit me when I was 16. I was like, man, maybe that's, maybe that's what I'm gonna do. Maybe I just don't care.
0: <laughs> and, and, and as a cisgender person, like, I don't understand that. Like, and that's fine, but, like, there's more media out there, I, maybe I can help other cis people, like, kind of understand what, you know, put yourself in someone else's shoes for a little while.
2: Yeah, now don't let me paint this as Oran High School Host Club is an amazing non-binary representation piece because while it is a pretty good one, it's also a reverse harem anime. So it's, it's basically just pretty boys saying funny jokes for like 16 episodes and then it ends. Like. Yeah. But there's the subtext, you know, you gotta, you gotta grab for any piece you can get when it comes to gender
1: non-conforming representation.
0: I'll be honest with you, I can't think of much more. Um, oh, I've got some. Pieces. Mm. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, it's it's actually really interesting because a lot of the queer, ex- and, you know, I, I don't know how old everyone else is, Scott. I, I should probably know. You're probably closer to my yeah, age. Yeah, we went to
0: college together, so.
1: Yeah, I'm 35. And so yeah, when so I was I. younger. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had, you know, the Sailor Moons, and I also had the revolutionary girl, Utenas. Yeah, she's um, a car. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I remember. And so, you know, I didn't come out as non-binary. I didn't really realize I was non-binary until like, like a year or two ago. And it's kind of funny, because over the years, I'm remembering specific experiences I had as a kid. And I'm like, Oh yeah, you know, in high school, I did beat out two other guys to playing Merlin in our production of Camelot. And I specifically dressed as a boy to show the director how well I could play a male. <laughs> you know? like, Fantastic, what a power move. When I, was yeah. like, when I was like 16, and now I'm like, oh.
0: <laughs> I, I will say, um, oh, I just lost my train of thought real quick. Um, I, I went to Pride for the first time last year in Philly, which I didn't know how I was going to feel. Like I didn't know if, like, I was kind of co-opting or trying to force my way into the LGBT umbrella because I know there's some exclusionary factions in it for ace people because they feel like, well, no sexual attraction is not what we do. But I, everyone else I've known has been very, very nice. But it was nice seeing a lot of like kids, kind of like marching and being like, you know, have shirts that's like I'm transgender or whatever like you can granted i because my brain doesn't work with sexual activity uh mm-hmm. that like i'm like wow how do you know that as like a five-year-old but it's nice to live in a world where like you can kind of know that early on i really mm-hmm. wish i knew that um but speaking to, to your experience there dolly i just got my train of thought back um the way i describe it to people is once you realize this about yourself all of your pieces in your past life start to fall into place and you're, you're a, lot, a lot of things start to make a lot more sense yeah and that's why i think like a lot of there there is a lot of people who come out later in life um and i know that that's usually like well you know people like well you've been married and have kids for 30 years How are you gay now like you just always were you just didn't realize that about yourself and it's, it's hard to describe but once you realize like once you go through that experience mm-hmm. it's like the biggest yeah. high i've ever had
2: right? yeah it's it's fine to it's fine to i don't want to say change your mind but it's fine to like accept new parts of yourself like maybe somebody really wasn't attracted maybe maybe there was a man who's really not attracted to another man until he hits like 40 and he meets the right one like yeah, it's sometimes okay. that's all it is yeah it's okay to, to to have been wrong to think that you that couldn't be the case for you like it's okay to have been wrong which means you're growing
0: Oh, no, and that's good, because you should be a better person and a different person today than you were yesterday. Oh, yeah. But, like, just in the last couple of years, I went from being, uh, thinking I was straight, to thinking I was heteromantic asexual, uh, or thinking I was half hetero, half uh, asexual, that, which I realized then was heteromantic asexual. And then thinking about more and doing more research, was like, no, I've had some of the same feelings for dudes over the course of my life. And then realizing, like, I was like, oh, I'm pan. And I'm like, well, not really, because it's more Demi. It's so it's been a whole roller coaster. Um, but now you know every piece of that though, like, it get filled in more and more of my life. And your personality's still the same. And this one thing doesn't define everything that I do. Yeah. Like, you know, my favorite movie didn't go from you know Ghostbusters to something else. You know. <laughs> uh, so like, speaking of, we'll have a Ghostbusters episode at some point. But mm-hmm. um.
1: You know, if you you don't mind me uh, piggybacking a little bit on one of the things you talked about, um, like, I'm really glad about the words that we have now for when we talk about romantic versus sexual identity, and I know that you had mentioned, um, and gender identity, of course, too, but that separation is really important, um, because I know you're talking about, like, as kids, like, oh, well, you know, some kids know stuff, like, you know, we have studies now, we have... um, you know medical professionals uh ther- you know therapists uh mental health professionals that have said you know gender identity does happen at like as early as toddler age because that's when we you know kids are putting pieces together oh boys do this girls do this you know that's when we start fe- like they're sponges absorbing all this information mm-hmm. and similarly though not the same you know like you know, as a kid, you might not have a sexual identity developed yet, but you might have a romantic identity developed, you know, mm-hmm. and say, you know, well, when I get married, I, I don't, I don't want to marry a girl. I want to marry a guy. Why would I want to marry a girl? You know, like stuff like that. And I think that's what's good phrasing to use, you know, because like, yeah. you know, like you said, that doesn't really develop until later. And I'm kind of glad we have like those like words to talk about it now because it makes it easier to talk about.
2: I big, I big relate. Like I have, I have memories as far back as like being like a little seven year old figuring out that, oh yeah, eventually people get married. And like, naturally as a kid with a big imagination that leaves you thinking, oh someday maybe I'll get married. It was never a thought of like, bride and groom, it was like always just sort of vaguely, two vaguely feminine individuals. But it's like also a very specific memory, it's like two vaguely very, very feminine individuals under a Christmas tree with some cats. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I always say when dating and stuff, uh, I just want just to skip the getting to know each other part and just go right into where we have a comfortable rut and we can just kind of <laughs> hang out. Because what I really want in like a partner is just someone to like do things with and just kind of share your life with. Like, and that's all I want. And now that I can be upfront with that with people, like I hate dating. I don't like meeting new people. I got enough people in my life. Um, but like, you know, when I can be upfront with people like that now, like listen, I can have sex, but like. I don't really want it because I'm mildly repulsed. I found out that that's part of what my... I always thought I just had horrible intimacy problems and there was just stuff that was wrong to me. Usually my relationships fell apart when we got to that stage so I stopped really trying. And like I said, I became much more miserable in on myself. Uh, but now that we live in a world where we can discuss this and have this up and people can see it, you know, it gets better. Uh, I know it's a cliche. Um, but to get back to Uh, the greater topic at hand. I remember the first, the earliest memory I have of uh, of seeing any kind of queer representation on television was The Simpsons season 4 episode 11 in 1997 called Homer's Phobia, which I just realized is a play on homophobia.
1: I've never never
0: said it out loud before, (laughs) but John John Waters is the guest star uh, and Homer, we just got we find out as long as he really likes this guy and then but once he finds out that he's gay he hates him and doesn't want his family to have anything to do with him and he's worried now that Bart might be gay and he tries to like make him straight throughout the episode
1: yes <laughs>
0: um I don't know if anyone remembers this episode it's one of my favorite episodes but I
1: oh it. oh I no remember we remember it no. <laughs> I remember it very distinctly
0: because I think that's the first time I had to talk to like my parents I was like, what is gay because they get you know because it's the whole point of the episode I'm Like, I was like oh okay and it was funny at the time I was like <laughs> laughing I was like oh they're at uh, a steel mill, and there like has a spark in his hair, and he's trying to get it out. It's funny. Now I realize that watching it now, I'm like, I don't know if this ages super well, but John Waters' character and it is so great, and I, I, it makes it. It's one of my favorite episodes, and it has a special place in my memory uh, for that. Uh, very yeah. reason.
1: Yeah, I, I remember my favorite line from that episode was, "Dad, why'd you bring me to a gay steel mill?" And Homer's like, "I don't know, I don't know." <laughs> well, my favorite part
0: is he, he sits him on the freeway in front of a cigarette ad of just like two women in bikinis like smoking or whatever. It leaves him there for like an hour. It's like, "What do you feel like? I feel like I want a cigarette." it's so, like, "But like it's it just it worked on the advertising level and not on the like oh. a woman level."
2: That's um, also like such a cute commentary on compulsory heter- heterosexuality. Like, yeah. well, yeah. look, it's right there, okay.
0: And it's funny now that I'm realizing it because John Waters' his character name is, in, is, is named John as well, but he kind of has a store in a mall very similar to ours <laughs> where he buys like old like, collectibles and stuff. Uh, he didn't have comics, but uh, and he's also very into camp. Uh, it's no secret I'm super into the 60s Batman, and I like him.
1: Excellent. Excellent. Um,
0: Oh yeah, I don't know if you guys saw it on social media, but I have the costume and everything. I bust it out every once in a while.
1: Do you hear that's great? You must yeah. have seen that. That sounds familiar. That's I'm fantastic. way too
0: fat to wear it right now that would have been stuck inside because of the, the quarantine.
1: Well tell me about it.
0: Oh dude, yeah. We don't have to get into all of that. Uh, another one another couple of shows I remember as a kid, um the first one was season two of Frasier. Season two, episode three called The Matchmaker, where uh Frasier, in classic <laughs> Frasier fashion, um it's just a series of like, you know, misunderstandings <laughs> and whatever. But he's trying to set up his new uh, uh, boss with his uh, housekeeper, Daphne. <laughs> oh, Jordan, come here. Sorry, let am go to take my, my dog. Otherwise, she's just going sit here and bark all day. time. Sure.
1: <laughs> okay. Be good. Come here. Do we get to see the dog? <laughs> Bonus dog.
2: Bonus dog.
1: Yes.
2: Keep it in, Scott. Bonus dog. <laughs> Where's at? Oh, hmm.
0: Okay. Um, but yeah, he's trying to set up his uh trying to set up Daphne with his new boss. Um he doesn't realize that his boss is gay and thinks he's setting himself up with himself. And a whole big series of, uh, of shenanigans ensue. Um, but there's a YouTube channel I watch. Uh, the guy, it's his channel's name is his name, uh, Matt Baum, B-A-U-M-E. But he does a series on, uh, where he breaks down like queer representation in media, like each episode something. And the episode for this, I didn't realize how many of the actors, writers, and directors were gay on that show, specifically that episode. Wild. But it's also hilarious because it's, f- it's one of the few time, uh, first times that like the gay character is not the butt of the joke or the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, which is something that mm-hmm. was still super rare in the mid-90s. And then way later in that show, uh, season 11, episode 4, the, tit- uh, the episode title is The Doctor is Out. Uh, in which case, Fraser sort of becomes in a gay relationship with Patrick Stewart. Uh, because he gives him status and prestige in the city.
2: Oh.
0: And it's, again, he's not the bad guy in it fraser is because he's like lusting for power um uh, but yeah they're both worth watching and i remember them very distinctly from when i was a kid also because that one had a star trek connection um obviously i'm a big star trek fan anyone listening to this knows that our first episode was like we screamed about star trek for like an hour nice.
1: um and how much is i
0: hate i hate the new shows <laughs> is fraser
2: uh, not gay i thought fraser was gay the character he's not
0: that's something that comes no. up every once in a while no but no he's a uh, got lots of female uh like relationship foibles you know it's a sitcom Uh, uh, but david hyde pierce is gay the actor plays his brother and uh john mahoney the actor who plays his dad uh was also gay but i i think he came out like way after but he's since passed um but and you know you know you don't know it doesn't come through in the text of the show at all
1: and that's and that's interesting too just like a, a quick thing um i learned from a friend of mine that uh writers, I don't know how many, uh, on Golden Girls were gay.
0: Oh, there's so many gay episodes at the Golden Girls.
1: Exactly. That explains exactly. so much. And that's, you know, and that's where we, you know, kind of are finding ourselves getting, you know, um uh Vito Russo, who was this um gay film nerd, <laughs> but he was also an activist. And um he was the one who uh did the celluloid closet he basically, um, was, uh, a young, um, he, I don't remember when he was born, I guess, like, in the 50s, maybe, mm-hmm. but he, he, you know, ran around a lot in the 70s, uh, because he was in New Jersey, and then he was, like, oh, wait, there's a bunch more gay people in New York, cool, I'm just gonna, like, hang out there and party all the time, and he would host movie nights with his friends, and he started realizing that people, like, all the queer people in the crowd would be laughing at specific moments that were happening in movies. And he eventually did a lot of research. I'm kind of doing a very poor retelling of this here, but um, he ended up publishing his work of all his research in The Celluloid Closet, which is the history of uh, homosexuality and queerness in cinema from the beginning of time. And so, you know, it was kind of, All this like oh wow like this character was quoted as queer this character was coded as queer but the reason I bring him up is because he said you know we'll get our rights when we take them we'll get our representation when we make movies Um, again misquoting him a little bit here but you know that's so what happens you know you have diverse people making media and then you get diverse characters you know, you get diverse stories, you get diverse writing, you know, not just in terms of sexuality or gender identity, but, you know, in terms of having more diverse people, you know, uh, people of different abilities, of different races, with different backgrounds, you know, that's where that representation comes into play too. Um,
0: yeah, it's, it's nice to see yourself represented up on the big screen. I know that was a big thing when like Black Panther came out for African-American people, and, like, yeah. it was never really a problem for me because most of my life I'm like, oh, I'm straight white male, whatever.
1: Everything's already catered to you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Definitely.
0: Uh, but, like, I, other than Todd and then Jughead, I can't think of any other, like, asexual characters. Jughead's he, and,
1: <gasps> well, that,
0: well, not in Riverdale. Not, not uh, in
1: Riverdale. Which oh, is a problem, but, but. In the comics.
0: Yeah, they. He, that's still. The, the joke was always yeah. like he was rather, he would rather eat hamburgers than talk to than go on dates and stuff. But they made it explicit in the reboot Archie stuff, which that oh. Jughead series is so good. Wow. Um, I highly recommend it. the The regular Archie series was good too, but like, the Jughead one is really funny and really just really great. Um, I highly recommend you check it out. Um, I wish it didn't end, but you know everything, everything all good things must come to an end
2: i didn't Um, know Jughead
0: was an icon i'm so happy yeah i gotta (laughs) get like a stupid crown hat
2: um you should
0: uh but yeah so uh those are ones from when i was a kid i remember distinctly and there was obviously other things too. because i remember watching i used to watch golden girls every once in a while um we might do a golden girls episode because i got to save that for our uh for greg from the store here because he's the biggest golden girls fan in the whole nice gotcha um So I don't want to get into that one too much, but I don't remember. I don't have specific instances like I did Simpsons and Frasier where I remember that.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, I uh, if I if I can try to think back to, you know, I I don't think I can think of the first time I saw queerness in media, but you know, as a kid, I, I know I mentioned Sailor Moon briefly, but as a kid, I knew that Haruka and Michiru. Uh, sailor neptune sailor uranus Mm. weren't cousins so you know for i think i i feel like the people who are watching this knows but for those who don't know when the anime was dubbed they instead of making the two characters being in their gay lesbian relationship uh they said they were cousins that's why they were so close all the time um
0: i remember watching that and specifically like japan is weird (laughs) Because I, I didn't get any of that. I didn't really watch Sailor Moon, but it was on like, tsunami at that time. And I was just like, "Yeah, this is weird.
1: Yeah, and it was something that, as a kid, I was upset about because how dare you censor something like a cartoon? Like, why wouldn't, like, how dare you censor that, you know? And I was upset because I wasn't getting, like, the original story. Mm-hmm. And then, as an adult, I'm furious, you know? Like what is wrong with you that you think this is so, so abhorrent to show children, you know? I'll Um, play
0: play devil's advocate a little bit. I do get why networks would be afraid of doing that because, especially at the time, there would have been a lot of backlash and things. Also, they were, anime at the time, they were really, like, trying to market them to kids because cartoons are for kids here. And, like, a lot of that stuff's not really meant for kids, or at least not in the same way. Like, there's so much censoring in Dragon Ball. Yeah. Um, like, you don't, like, not even just, just queer stuff, just violence and nudity and just. Yeah. It, it, they kept, they were trying to fit a square, a round peg into a square hole, you know, with a lot of anime dubbing. Yeah. I, I do want to say, like, Sailor Moon's probably the, is the first time I remember ever watching the anime, because I remember being like, why is this animated so weird and why are all the characters screaming and I hate this? <laughs> uh, and so I stopped watching it and I was a little, little then. Um,
2: Was scared to watch Sailor Moon. I was egg as heck. I was egg as heck as a child. So I like, I was averse to anything that was overtly girly. Like I wouldn't even watch the Powerpuff Girls, even though it was awesome. I I loved the Powerpuff Girls.
1: That that internalized misogyny, though. It was it was it was because like I knew. So I have a very traditional father, and like Mm
2: -hmm. that was my upbringing was a very traditional one. Um, I knew it wasn't gonna fly. So I was yeah. like, oh, well, better try to be straight. <laughs> like,
0: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would say I, I love the Powerpuff Girls. Uh, I was in middle school when that was on. So I was super not in the like Target demo. But it, the show was clever enough that like I kind of enjoyed it as an adult still, probably more now as a parody of superheroes. It's a good show. Yeah. Um, and speaking of that show, him is clearly not straight. Um No. And, Him
2: is a gender cyclone. I
1: but I also it.
0: don't know if that's like problematic because he's also the devil or something. Like they won't even say his name because he's so yeah, evil. yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's
1: like weird.
0: But he's <laughs> camp and fun, so like I still enjoy the character. So like that's that's. But I think that's part of the the issue is like, is that problematic to like characters like that? Like a lot of classic Disney villains are clearly coded queer. But like well, like there's so much fun to watch.
1: But that but that's the issue is that these characters were problematic, but because the representation was so sparse, that's all we had, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's kind of where that double edge like comes from. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if this is all you have, then you're going to hold on to it, you know. Like, like the only Even Disney film from
0: when we were kids, so like the nineties that I can think of that was not coded was Gaston but he has a song sung to him about how great he is by another man who's clearly into him.
2: Gaston is uh yeah, I <laughs> I think that there is definitely some queer coding surrounding Gaston. Yeah. Um it's just not explicit with him, but also that goes into the whole like oh do you have to act gay to be gay? Like it's Yeah. yeah and yeah.
0: there's there's it, it's it's hard to talk about stuff especially with certain things like because I love a lot of those movies but like you know, so you have nostalgia t- tied into some stuff. It's like I try to be critical when I go back and, and look at things and be like, well, mm-hmm. here's how certain things work one way or the other. Or like, it, it's tough, but like it, we need to be able to have this conversation because um, that's the only way we're going to be able to do new and better uh, re- representations. Um, this is bringing up a, a current show that's going on right now that I enjoy very much Um regardless of its queer representation, is Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, the, the, in the first episodes revealed, you know, they're very, very, like, robotic, very, like, tough and kind of straight-laced uh, new captain is gay and has been gay the whole show and is shown to have a very loving relationship with his his husband um, uh, throughout the whole series. And then it was pointed out to me that you never see the two of them, like, kiss at all. I'm like, oh. But you don't need to see it because you can kind of you get it through the characters and whatnot but like so it's it's a part of his character but it doesn't define him like there's a couple episodes where they get into it um but there's more more often than not it's just that's just part of who he is uh but then stephanie beatrice an actress in the show is bisexual in real life uh and the character came out as bi later in the show nice um and there's an episode where she comes out to her parents and her like dad's danny trejo uh and It doesn't quite go as well as one would hope, but it's also a good one because it shows like the importance of found family, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. all of her friends at the department kind of get together with her. It's like she loses their family game night, so they bring a bunch of board games over and, and play Aww. them with her. Um, and so it's it's definitely worth... Uh, it's, the show's worth watching reg- regardless, um, but the, I, I love the representation in the show.
2: It's so nice to do like, the found family shout-out, too, because I feel like that is probably one of the most common queer experiences out there. It's the the for whatever reason, whether you lose your your birth family or mm-hmm. a- any reason, finding a new one is really important. And it's yeah, it's probably one of the most common things.
1: You you have to have peers that are like you. Um, it's something that I didn't you know, and again, like. Well, my gender identity coming out is more recent. Like I always was kind of queer. You know, I was like, well, I'm definitely like attracted to men and masculinity, but I'm also like never gonna say I'm never gonna fall in love with a woman or a not man person, you know, an unmanned person. What? Um The eyes are just blank. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the gender identity is more recent and you know, I didn't, and it's not until I started spending more time with more queer people, and more trans people, and more non-binary people that I realized how important for my mental health that was. Like, it's just such an improvement to be able to talk about people that you have those shared experiences with. Um, it's just, it's like a world of difference when. You're just kind of like, oh yeah, you know like feeling like this and everyone's like, oh yeah, I know how that feels and you're like, oh yeah, I you know how that feels cool Yeah you can have kind of a
0: shorthand a little bit.
1: Like I said, yeah. I have to
0: explain to people all the time what I am that's why I just say I'll just tell new people I'm clear And then I'm like, well, if you're gonna actually be in my life then I'll, I'll figure that
1: out from there. And um, yes. yeah like my current um, my current uh, roommate that I have, we actually went to high school together so we've been friends for a very long time. But, you know, him and I both talk about what our lived experiences were like as kids, as teenagers. Like, oh, man, no one showed us the band Pansy Division when we were in high school. What the F's <laughs> F- up with that? We could have, like, well, how different would our lives have been if we listened to that music then, you know? And stuff like that. And so, you know, that's that speaks to that, too. Like, it's, it's good stuff.
0: Yeah. Like, So I'm glad we can have conversations with, like you said like earlier that it's, we have words now um, yeah. so we're able to, to kind of connect a little bit easier. Um, I know one of the more recent uh, pieces of media to have some controversy around it or controversy um, is the new Shira show which just finished, uh, wrapped up. The reason I, all right, so I was never into Masters of the Universe and she as a kid. I just was something I was just not into. Um, So I didn't, when the new show came out, I didn't care, like whatever. It looks like a cute show for girls or, you know, like little kids, but like, I don't have any connection to this character that was going on. Um, But then I had a conversation with someone complaining about it, about how gay they made the show. (laughs) They kept going on and on about it. And I was like, I've seen enough He-Man to be like, you know, He-Man's like, the the source material is like the gayest thing I've ever seen, right? (laughs) I was like I was like this is coming from a queer person I'm like it's so gay.
2: It is.
0: Um and it was and it, the larger issue with it is just, it's the original source material was just an advertisement to sell toys to children. So I kind of watched the show out of spite um to give it a little <laughs> bit more of a rating. And it's a good show, it's cute. Um throughout it uh there's a one of the characters is so one of my problems when they bring back shows like this, cause like I love a lot of these shows like Transformers and Ninja Turtles and stuff, but like all the characters have really stupid names and you can't change them. Like Bo's name is Bo. Cause he uses a bow and arrow. And it's just like, they're all dumb. It's great. Um, <laughs> but, like, but like now that they gave the characters actual characters, like I had, I find them harder to take seriously when your main character's name is like Adora <laughs> cause she's adorable, <sighs> stuff like that. Um, but the show's good. There's a couple. There's some great stuff. Bo has two dads, and it's treated like no big deal. Uh, there's a villain who can like he can disguise himself. His name's double, well, their name is Double Trouble. It was I'm pretty sure it was originally male in the new show, but now it took me a while to realize it's like oh they're using they them pronouns with him with see I have troubles using it. You're they getting there, they, man. They use they them, them pronouns like it's no big deal. And I was like oh that makes sense because he does both masculine and feminine things. It's their whole thing is they uh, go in disguise they're like Mm -hmm. an infiltration kind of character
1: and double trouble's actually voiced by a non-binary actor too i did not know that jacob tobia oh you love to see it the uh the the creator showrunner of the new she-ra is a lesbian noelle yeah um, noelle stevenson right which you may know from such comic book series as lumberjanes
0: lumberjanes is great she also did nimona too right
1: i i believe so yeah that one i haven't I Becca at
0: the it. store is all about her stuff. The one thing, uh, one, the one nitpickiest thing about the show that drives me wild is the art style. Like everyone's got like this splotch across their face, and they all look really tired all the time. And I can't.
1: <laughs> I'm talking about.
0: So it's not my favorite show in the world. It's got things like that that drive me nuts. But the, the I like the representation because I don't even go into all of it. There's a uh, two married women characters, Spinarella, and then the other person's name's like Medley because they're all. Natasa. Net tosser. I was like, she even... literally
1: says because she tosses nets. Yeah. It's not hard. <laughs> but that's why I like
0: it, drives me crazy about these shows. I'm like, that's such a stupid name. <laughs> um, uh. But like, they beca- finally became like real characters in the last season because they were just kind of background, which is why I can't remember the, her name because they never said it until like four episodes ago. Um, but like, you <laughs> know, they they revealed that they're married. Um, She-Ra and Katra. it's revealed. I thought they were just friends and that was going to be the like, point of the show no they're in love and they smooch and stuff in the last couple Aww. episodes um so like that's kind of what the whole show is building towards i'm like all right it's a cute show i, I like it it's not my favorite of these shows um I, and I don't know if that's because i'm just not big into the 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 original property or i don't know i'm also not the target demographic it's definitely for kids which is fine yeah I mean, I like a lot of shows that I meant for kids. Gravity Falls is one of the best shows I've ever seen.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, which also I'll, has queer characters in it, too.
1: Alex oh. Hirsch is going to be doing more stuff for Netflix, too, and I like—I can't wait.
0: I'm stoked. It's one <laughs> I of those, can't wait. That, that show's one of those or we're going to get off topic a little bit, but that show's one of those examples I hold up is, like, sometimes things need to end. Because mm-hmm. the fact that that had an endpoint and they were able to build towards something awesome, I'm like, that's Good, like that, and Breaking Bad, and like a lot of these shows that like were created as a story and aren't artificially drug out for a thousand years.
2: Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, oh
0: yeah, things need to end. Like, The Office should have ended when Steve Carell left. Um, but again, has a gay character in it, uh, Oscar, uh, and he's played by a gay actor in real life, which I don't know if that informed that they made the character <laughs> gay or not.
2: I feel like it probably helped. I mean, also, I think that. The Office is a show that relishes in the opportunity to, to just mess anything up in a social situation. Oh like well, yeah, it,
0: it lives in the awkward moment. Uh, and
2: so there's a lot of potential there to, to it, make some awkward stuff.
0: It's funny because I, I, th- I think about that episode a lot. Um, oh, my God, shut up. Uh, I think about that episode a whole bunch because Michael accidentally outs him to Office. And they talk about, like, oh, that's something you shouldn't, you shouldn't be able to take away from, from someone. Like, that's their moment. Yeah. And i like, I think I accidentally outed a couple of people I know because I don't know who knows what, um, which is, you know, I think about them, like, yeah, I got to be more careful about, uh-oh, Eat- hold on real quick. Someone signed me out of Zoom so it stopped recording.
1: It Mine still says recording. Yeah, mine too.
0: All right. Uh, can you guys do me a favor?
1: Can you hit record on yours? I will. Hold on. Record.
0: So I have uh, backup for the rest of the meeting. It's that they have session.
1: to request recording permission from the meeting host. Yeah. Same.
0: I'll transfer who wants to be host.
2: Who has more hard drive space? I have hard drive space.
0: No, I'll send it to
2: you. Yeah, do Haley.
0: Make host.
2: All right. We're gonna hit record. Right, record you. on this computer. Alright, uh, one sec. I believe we are back. I'll, I'll google drive this later and give it to you. Yeah, thank you. I
0: appreciate it. No um, I talking about, oh my god, Jordan. Give me one sec while we're in, not talking on something right at the moment. Yeah. I'll <laughs> put you in the bedroom. Come on. Yes,
2: bonus dog. <laughs> yeah.
0: So she, she never barks, but this time of night she wants to bark at the cats that live on the things. but um, um,
1: one of the things uh, if you if you don't mind me going back to Shira of course, for a hot yeah. minute, um, you had uh, talked about the Bo character, how he has two dads, and um, I don't know if you had seen this episode or not, but what was really, really wonderful and fantastic <laughs> for me was to see Shira take on coming out um, in a different way. And so Bo hides from his dads that he's part of, you know, the resistance, the uprising, because he uh, knows that his dads, like, don't like fighters. And so his dads find out he's a fighter and he's afraid to be who he is around his dads. And his dads say, we are so sorry that you thought you could not be honest with us about who you are. And we love you no matter what. And I was like, ah! like I powered up. It was amazing. <laughs> it was, so it, it was a
0: cute twist on it. Um, it
1: you know, and and I really like that. Like it's um, it bums me out when people say stuff is like, "Oh, this is too gay," because I didn't have gay enough growing up. Let yeah. Me have, let me have too gay now because I've had far too much hetero and the cis growing up. Give me rainbow everything inside out. Things, uh, if you if you don't mind like me going back to Shira of for course, a hot yeah. minute, um. You had uh, talked about the Bo character, how he has two dads, and um, I don't know if you had seen this episode or not, but what was really, really wonderful and fantastic <laughs> for me was to see Shira take on coming out um in a different way, and so Bo hides from his dads that he's part of you know the resistance, the uprising because he Uh, knows that his dads like don't like fighters and so his dads find out he's a fighter and he's afraid to be who he is around his dads and his dads say we are so sorry that you thought you could not be honest with us about who you are and we love you no matter what and I was like "Ah!" like I powered up it was amazing it (laughs) it was it it
0: was a cute twist on it Um, It
1: you know, and, and I really like that. Like it's, um, it bums me out when people say stuff is like, oh, this is too gay. Because I didn't have gay enough growing up. Yeah. Let me, have, let me have too gay now. Cause I've had far too much hetero and the cis growing up. Give me rainbow everything inside out, please. And
0: like, I hate the, the token representation we get from a lot of places, like in the solo movie, which is a stupid movie, and I didn't need to exist, but like <laughs> uh, in, in an interview, someone mentions like, oh, Lando Calrissian is pansexual, but like, it's not in the movie, you know, like it's, or like in the newest Star Wars movie, oh, we have Star Wars' first gay kiss. It's two characters with no names in the background. Like, who gives a shit? Like, like unless you're going to put Finn and uh, Poe together, like, it's not really representation. You don't really get the, It doesn't count. Yeah, in my like, opinion,
1: I think I think part of that Lando thing was because uh, Billy D Williams is gender fluid. Is he? I have no idea. Yeah, he he didn't like he hasn't used that phrasing, but in recent interviews, he said he likes to ref- use he pronouns and she pronouns, and it was kind of like, "Oh, Second Space Mom, we love you." <laughs> um. And I'm sorry, you know, gender identity not being the same as sexuality. Um, you know, unfortunately, now my memory is missing me if uh, Ms. Williams also has talked about being queer or bi or not. But there's there's queerness with Billy D. Williams is the short part of mm-hmm. <laughs> the story. Um, but that was really cool too. You're like,
2: <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's I feel like it's um, it's kind of a line that we have to decide like. What counts as queer baiting versus what's like representation that we can still salvage? Like yeah. you can't just go back and say, Oh, by the way, Dumbledore was gay. Like that's thanks, but where was that? Like it's it's really hard to to feel like that changes anything. And it feels kinda like baiting. And then you have things like for me, when I went to see Captain Marvel when that movie mm-hmm. was new, um, I was so sure that Carol and Maria were gonna be a couple by the end of it. I was really hyping up for it and it just She didn't happen, she went back to space, never kissed her, I was very upset. I don't come back,
1: I'm sure. Not, not to get, um, too into it, but I'm glad you mentioned that too, that's a really good point.
2: Yeah, my, um, I've been thinking a lot about like baiting and like... Yeah. So I've also been thinking about things where they like, you walk right up to it, and then they just, eh, never mind. That was actually my last media point, was there's a game where I wanna talk about uh, something that did that. Ah. How, how it's probably still like a salvageable piece if we just kind of ignore the canon ending
1: <laughs> whoops, yeah, 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 definitely, yeah, I know, yeah, and that's and that's like and that's a challenge, you know it is because you wanna like, you know when you're starved for that type of representation, you wanna just be like, oh yeah, you know this this character is this or this person's that, like. I like, I soft head cannon Tina Belcher as a trans girl, and I don't Tina talk Belcher, about her yeah. often because I'm not trans feminine, so I don't want to, like, be out of my lane, but, you know, I'm like, oh, the family's, like, so supportive, you know? There's I've always, a- I've always thought Tina Belcher, I've, I just know that she's not,
2: like, she's definitely not cis, cishet, cis, straight, whatever, she's, she's got something interesting going on and I'm here for it. I don't know yeah. what that is, but it's <laughs> it's here, and I like it.
1: Yeah, and mostly mostly because the pilot episode she was Dan, and she mm. was a a he him boy. Was
2: that a thing in the pilot episode?
1: Yeah, yeah. The pilot episode Tina is Dan and is what? a boy, but that's because the voice actor's Dan Mintz, so I guess they went off that. And then Tina was made Tina, which is great, and like oh. and so yeah, so I like I headcanon her as like trans a little bit. I'm like. Yeah. Yeah, Tina's trans. It looks just like her, too! (laughs) Yeah. It looks so
2: much like her, like, I'd believe
1: it. Yeah. No, I love that, and I just like, and I'm just like, yeah, yeah, she transitioned and everyone's great, fine with it, That's beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. She
2: transitioned, Fox didn't drop
1: the show over it, wow. It's a big win. (laughs) Yeah, right?
2: I like that Gene is still in the burger costume. He's been a burger since day one.
1: <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah, season. yeah. Speaking of gender nonconforming, Gene, Gene Belcher. Oh yeah. Gene Belcher's killing it. My uh my someone posted on like a Facebook comment that Gene Belcher and Steven Universe should like start their own gender nonconforming boy band.
2: I'm trying not to bring up Steven Universe because I haven't watched it. I just know it's hella gay and I approve. Um yeah. and the creator's non binary too. That's pretty rad. I, um, oh, I thought of, like, another
1: Two Dads character, I think on Craig of the Creek, they just oh. had a, a Two Dads character. I um, think, I think one of my boyfriends was telling me about that, actually. I had not Craig of the Creek. It's like, yeah, I remember my friend told me about it, he's like, oh, it's like a Cartoon Network show and it has, like, a black kid, and I was like, oh! Yeah. I, I was like, cool! Cartoon Network's not just for the whites. Cartoon
2: Network's killing it! It's like, it's, um, yeah, it is. It's, it's, I think it's primarily people of color as the main cast, and there's a character with two dads. And then it's, it might be the same show, it might be a different show. They all are starting to look very similar to me because I'm old. Wow. Um, but it's, uh, there's, there's another one that where they the two dads character, and they do the whole, like, worried mom thing, but with one of the dads, like, oh, he's going to a sleepover, is he going to be okay? And they just, like, play it totally straight, like it's. I love it. Yeah, they played it the same uh, as they would if it was a, Yeah. yeah. There we Sorry, go. I'm, on, I'm on
0: phone version now. My computer crashed in the middle of this. So I'm glad you guys were able to keep the conversation going. <laughs>
2: yeah, I. Uh, we were we were getting into. um, what was I, can, Do you have a concise wrap up for my thought? Because I don't. I'll ramble.
1: <laughs> uh you, oh, you <laughs> mentioned um, the very key point of um, queer baiting versus good representation.
2: Yeah, and salvageable representation.
1: Salvageable. So-
2: so queer baiting, as I was referring to it, was when in the in a media piece of media they'll walk right up to the the confirmation that they're gay. They'll get like right up against it. They'll just put their face on the glass, look in there. But then before they actually do it, they just turn away, and we're left to head Which for me was Captain Marvel um, with Carol and Maria. They were they got a kiss. They got a kiss. I need them to kiss. Um, and yeah. So,
0: well, sometimes that stuff like might also just be fan reaction to things. Yeah, because um, any sort—I don't know. The, the, I guess that's on a case-by-case basis. Because sometimes there's authorial intent. Like maybe I never really intended these characters to be gay, but like some people just latch on to or read too much into certain uh, relationships, mm-hmm. which I understand as well. Um, but yeah, I, I can't speak to any because I'm kind of. I don't want to say I'm immune to it, but I'm kind of oblivious to a lot of like queer baiting and stuff. Like I can't even think of a good example of it. Um, I know Supernatural is one of the ones people bring up. I've never watched it. Same thing with the new Voltron, which I've also never watched. Um, those are the two I know that people bring up when Tom's to talk like queer baiting at least now.
1: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's, yeah. I, uh, I'm also not as well read on the topic as I could be. Um, what I can comment on is when i have seen stuff that like struck me a certain way and i would have like my own celluloid closet moment Mm -hmm. like i haven't talked um really about horror movies yet weird (laughs) (laughs) but um i was catching up on some pretty terrible classics and i started watching cool good job brain slumber party massacre yeah that
2: sounds amazing
1: yeah and i didn't i didn't uh you know i i didn't um i didn't end up finishing it the night i started watching it so go me but when i started watching it i just put it on randomly and when i started watching it i saw the director uh was a woman and i was like oh oh And i saw the screenwriter was a woman and i was like oh oh that's weird for a horror movie in the 80s or like a movie in the 80s. <laughs> and... Horror um, movie now. Yeah. Yeah, right? Fortunately. Yeah. And um, and so I'm watching it. And, you know, very terrible horror movie. And there's like a couple of things that stuck out. Like there's an electrician early in the movie who's a woman. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Well, you know, that's what happens. You have a woman director, woman writer. They're just going to make more of the characters women. Then there's a scene... Um, And so then, of course, there's a very stereotypical cishet male gaze shower scene of the high schoolers, which is real gross now that I'm saying Mm. it out loud, Um, after they all play basketball together. And I was like, basketball team, women's basketball team. And then, like, in the next scene, uh, there's a handyman that comes over to help out one of the characters, super butch chick. And I was like, okay, all right, I've, I've seen enough here, hold on. And I go to the internet and the writer is gay. And I was like, <gasps> I was like, I got your message in the bottle. I'm here <laughs> now. <laughs> you know? Well, like
0: we're, we're talking about coded earlier. Now we brought up uh, horror movies. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2 is like one of the, the, the most codedly gay movies of the entire decade. Maybe the entire things I've ever seen um yes the whole whole thing like well i know it's a gay actor uh playing the the main kid i'm not gonna remember anyone's name but freddie but like it's an older man trying to like get in through his body and it's really weird and it's a lot of shirtless dudes hanging out it's it's there is a ton of videos that go will go into better detail on that on
1: there there uh, are um the the big thing with that um is that the whole movie is basically an allegory for the fear of coming out as gay? Like, Wasn't that
0: unintentional?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Because even like at the end, it has quote unquote like a happy ending, but it's like so, it's almost like Deus Ex Machina ish. Uh, probably not. I don't know. I'm not a writer. But <laughs> in a way, I, I, because true love saves the day so his like love for his girlfriend saved the day and everything's over but like if you look at it from that fear of coming out as gay it's a tragedy because he yeah. never learned to be comfortable with who he was and what was living inside him
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> i I'm, I'm i'm not as smart on this entry in the elm street ones as i am on the rest um because it's kind of a bad nightmare in elm street movie so i, don't I really mean have, i have no desire bad. to go
1: back and watch i say classic oh.
0: <laughs> well in terms of like so the whole point like there's like barely any dream sequences freddy's like out in the real world like and it's like so much less interesting and it's less funny yeah. than some of the other ones so it's like one of the ones i it's the one i want to go back to the least
1: which is completely fair it is a yeah. definitely out of the norm freddy film what i do is love about so it, strange
0: that it's the second one that's so weird it, it's it, like this it, two of that series
1: yeah um what i really do love about it is that it's one of the very few movies actually the only one i can think of off the top of my head that has a final boy instead of a final girl
0: yeah and he's like a i screen, and i really love that about or whatever it. i think he calls himself a sque- scream queen yeah yeah i don't know the actor's name uh i'm sure the internet you're on the internet so you should be able to find it <laughs> I'd like to I'm, I'm bad with names um, in general and I, I, I haven't watched it. I haven't watched the movie in like oh my god like at least 10 years uh, probably more
1: and, and that's like something where you know kind of going back a little bit it's not something that like you don't want to call positive gay representation you know what I mean It's, it's, it's interesting, more of that, yeah it's more of that campy analytical kind of like fun thing like i love that movie because it's so over the top with the gay stuff like there's like gay stuff throughout the whole movie um everything from like dripping phallic candles to him finding his coach at like a bdsm club yeah this stuff completely flew over my head when i was a kid yeah i also watched it as an adult (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. I, well, I was like, Freddy, yeah. Well, Freddie, Freddie's my favorite of those slashers, just because uh, he's so silly and the the way his powers work, it's allowed. It, it's so much more creative than like Jason, which is just I'm gonna stab you in the woods. Oh, I, I get it. You don't need like thirty movies about this. <laughs> um, for or like, you know, we'll have, we'll I'll bring it back when we do a slasher episode because we definitely <laughs> will probably come October. Um, yeah, because we I can go off. We can go off on a huge tangent on this right now. because yeah. uh, that's also also something that's very near and dear to my heart. Um, but yeah. So unless anyone else has got a, anyone else have any uh, other representation they'd like to bring up,
2: I got one more. Yeah, um, what's up? I got one more actually on the topic of uh, representation that walks up and then turns back. Things that we can still salvage. Uh, we're gonna dive briefly back into Weebu Land back into, because that was, well, listen, when I was 16, I did a lot of anime. Um, but this one's actually a video game. So JRPG called Persona 4. Um, I'll keep it brief because there's a lot to talk about. There's actually a surprising amount to talk about in terms of queer representation in this PlayStation 2 JRPG. Um, but it's very character driven. You get to know, you get to know a lot of characters and there's, there's two that stand out and they kind of work in tandem with each other as sort of a exploration of, being a teenager and coming to terms with both gender and sexuality, which is, like, a lot for a PS2 game to do back then. Um,
0: yeah, so did they need a whole extra disc just for that?
2: No, it was actually a one-disc game, if you could believe it. Like,
0: Oh my god, I don't They managed.
2: <laughs> they <laughs> managed. Um, but no, so, so our two characters we're going to talk about, uh, Kanji Tatsumi and Naoto Shirogane. Kanji and Naoto. Easy. Um, so Kanji, Kanji Tatsumi is... He's like in high school, but he's like six feet tall. He's a delinquent, he's always skipping class. He's like picking fights with biker gangs and winning. Like he's, he's, kind, of, he's kind of a punk. Um, and everyone's like afraid of him at school. And everybody at school is just terrified of this guy, which is weird because he never seems to give anybody at school trouble. And you see like later on, he's actually kind of really helpful to some of the younger kids when they need help. Um, so people are just terrified of him. The gang, um, the the, the plot is that there's like a series of murders happening and they want to find out what's going on, and they have reason to suspect that Kanji might be a target, so they start tailing him to sort of, like, make sure he can't get murdered. And as they're tailing him, they find out these, like, secret hobbies he has where he, uh, he's from a family that owns a textile store, so he likes sewing, he likes crafts, he likes to make really cute stuffed animals, um, but he doesn't want anyone to know that. Because Kanji is very concerned with being a man. Um, And this is where he becomes like a sort of shallow dive, like a lukewarm waist-high dip into an exploration of toxic masculinity. Um, Kanchi's not that bad of a guy. The way that he acts is a reaction to the expectations that the society has put on him to be a man. Like, he acts tough and gets into fights so he can seem like a man contrasting with his hobbies of making cute stuffed animals. He's like he's always saying things like, because I'm a man, or like, that's what a man would do. And he's always saying it in the context of doing something righteous or doing something violent. Like he's, he's posturing with it.
0: Mm -hmm. I
2: have, have notes for this. So yeah, he falls like, he falls victim to the whole toxic masculinity thing in a big way with that. And then, um, his exploration winds up coming to, he can have whatever interest he wants. He can be into whatever he wants. Doesn't make him less of a man. Um, and he, he becomes pretty secure in that. Uh, but then they use the same character who was just struggling with the, the prison of masculinity and they introduce sexuality and gender into it in like a whole new way. So we get a new character, She's, uh, they're called Naoto. Naoto is a boy detective, like 16 years old in high school, whatever, outdoing the actual detectives. They're a genius. Um, everybody takes them very seriously. They're held in very high esteem. Um, and so, because of these murders, Naoto gets involved, wants to kind of try to help out. Later on, um, everybody refers to Naoto as a he. Naoto wears like, a, like a, a detective jacket. What else do you call a detective jacket?
0: Does he look like Sherlock French Holmes?
2: Show? Yeah, like imagine like small, like, like anime teenage boy blue hair Sherlock Holmes with the plaid pants and everything. Like, oh, I know that
0: character. I've seen him on the box.
2: I love Naoto. Naoto's my favorite character. So, I, I
0: haven't played any of these games.
2: This one, it's long, but it's kind of worth the trip. So That's, that's cool. one of the
0: reasons I, haven't, I don't play a lot of RPGs anymore. Just I don't have
2: time. I feel that. Yeah. So, so Naoto is referred to as a he by everybody. They call him the boy detective or the genius boy detective. Um, and Naoto, like encourages it. Like, they dress like that. They talk in a deep voice. Like a, and you can tell it's kind of forced. Um, and as you, as you tail this character... You find out naoto's actually a girl or you know big big air quotes actually a girl right um big air quotes so uh people in the game turn on a dime there's no more he him it's all she her uh naoto's devastated at this and it's like naoto feels like if they're not a boy they won't be taken seriously which is like, wow, they're addressing sexism and gender and like all of this. Yeah, I was about to yeah. say,
0: that's a whole other layer on top of everything else.
2: Yeah. So they're, they're, they're going into that. And then it gets like, it gets to be kind of supernatural. So um, in this game, each of the main characters gets like a dungeon for their arc where uh, the final boss is like a dark reflection of themselves. So when Naoto has to face theirs, They go into this dungeon and their dark reflection is continually insisting, you've got to come down here, we've got to start the procedure. And they're saying it in like this really dark, foreboding tone and it looks like a mad scientist lab with like, you know, the kind of like a stretcher with a robot arm that's got like a buzz saw on it, like a circular saw, like that kind of mad science lab. Mm -hmm. So they're they're making it out to be like this gruesome, unnatural thing and Toe's like, I don't even want any procedures. Like I'm just gonna be me. But this dark reflection of Naoto, this like dark part of them is like, well, I have to change something or I can't be a boy. Um, And so it's like the entire time you're going through the dungeon, it's just grappling with body versus identity versus expression versus societal role. And it's really tangled up and it's so close. It's so close (laughs) to being such good representation. And then at the end, because because it's, it's a dated piece of work, they turn around and they're like, psych, actually, they were just uncomfortable because they didn't think they'd be taken seriously. None of that gender stuff was real. Uh, and then like at the end, there's a, a picture a year later with all the characters and Naoto's dressing like a girl now.
0: So, so it was more about like sexual and ine- uh, female inequality kind of they, thing. They yeah.
2: tried to spin it that way, but they put so much time and so much emphasis into Naoto is not defined by their, their physical, like, by their biology. Do you know yeah. if that
0: was something that was changed in uh, localization?
2: I don't believe so, as far as I can tell. It was walked back in both uh, both versions. The game is rated T uh, for a lot of things, but that's one of the things. It, they, they played it pretty much the same in the English translation, as far as I can tell. Um, and to the credit of the developers, I mean, there have been spinoffs made. And in the spin-offs, Naoto is sort of back to being more boyish and how they preferred to be before. So they might be they might be turning around again and walk re-walking re-back. I, yeah, I don't bre- really
0: might be retconning that a little bit.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that, we'll, yeah, yeah, maybe we'll get like a remaster upsetting. or something. We got one and they they eh, they still ruined it. But like it's Well, maybe some, they'll
0: do a Link's Awakening and they'll come back as like little toys and then they can make that make you know go that route with it.
2: I would love that. Like <laughs> it's one of those things where like it is so overtly, explicitly, undeniably a trans story, whether it's female to male, which is rare, or whether it's um, binary, it's non-binary, like, it's so explicitly a trans story that, like, people are, are starting to try to reclaim it and just sort of, like, say, no, you won't deny us that representation. Like, you wrote yeah. it, it's there, it's ours now.
1: Yeah, fair.
2: I think that's valid to, like, to just say, yeah, that's, that experience that you portrayed, that's, yeah, that's ours. Well, also, there's something to be said
0: for just any piece of artistic work that you put out into the world. Once you release it, it's kind of not yours anymore. Death which of the is, author. Well, yeah, which is why I have issues with, like, J.K. Rowling and George Lucas trying to retroactively change their work. Yeah. It's one thing to, like, with an old movie to go back and, like, remaster it, like, in terms of, like, now upgrading it so now it's on Blu-ray and it looks a lot nicer. But, like, you know, once you start changing the text of the work... Especially with J.K. Rowling's uh, situation, where it's like through tweet, it's like, oh, this character <laughs> was gay the whole time. And I'm like, all right, it doesn't change the story, which is what I was saying about Lando earlier. It just like, doesn't really count.
1: I know yeah. that since
0: gone back and like have had new material published, and like Dumbledore like being uh, in a relationship with Wald I can't remember anyone's names. um uh, ha- has been more of a thing. Like now she's going back and said, like, Hermione was always black. And I'm like, all right, you should probably not.
2: The, the biggest change, uh, J.K. Rowling can try as, as she, try as much as she wants to retcon some stuff into Harry Potter, but the only thing that she has retconned in is that Harry Potter was written by a turf.
1: Yes, correct.
0: Yeah, I, she, I know she's problematic in a lot of other ways. I
1: try to view
0: uh, the work of people as its own thing. Because I do still really like Harry Potter. It's a very, i know it's a very basic story, um, but I, I enjoy it for what it was, and I liked it at the time. But then there's certain things that happen, uh, like I can't really go back and watch the Cosby Show. Yeah. You know, it's like it's—it's it's sometimes I try to, I try to separate the author from the work as much as I can. Um, but then sometimes there's stuff where it's like I found out about the guy who created Attack on Titan. Uh, and his beliefs. I'm like, well, now nah, I have even less reason to ever watch that show.
2: I don't know about this. Can you can you educate me?
0: Apparently he's like a Holocaust denier and oh he's God. a huge anti-Semite. <laughs> uh, Why
2: am I not surprised? Yeah. With, anime, with the anime fandom being the way it is, that's like, they probably like him more.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah,
1: that's um, so, yeah, well, kind of an icky note to end this on. Uh, oh, I had, I had a last thought I wanted to... Sure. sure steel wedge into this um uh we haven't we haven't talked there were two things on to mention sure, um, as a kid um i watched Anne flux which was super deviant sexually charged and turned me into the deviant i am today
2: mm-hmm. and when
1: i go back and rewatch it uh it is pretty explicit in the first episode that aeon is by and i'm like yeah first of all like how could she not be but also she is um and even though that show was super 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 male gaze also dudes wore scantily clad outfits and i was like cool that's a quality, uh,
0: peter chung i I, someone,
1: someone,
0: I forget what this is in reference to but someone i know said uh you know i'll take i'll take beefcake with my cheesecake you know i forget what it was in reference to but that's, it's like, yeah
1: that's what's up yeah. And uh, the second thing I wanted to mention was, of course, Steven Universe. And just kind of looping a lot of it back together, um, Rebecca Sugar, who also has since come out as being non-binary, using they and she pronouns, um, last I checked, um, was also strongly influenced by Sailor Moon. So you have your queer characters there, you have the gender non-conforming Sailor Uranus, who may be genderqueer or, you know, transmasculine. Um well, is there my type. Mm. Yes. <laughs> yes. And um the uh and then, you know, like I'd mentioned, Utana, you know, also gender nonconforming main character and queer characters in the show as well. Um, so Steven Universe had a lot of those influences now being told by someone who is queer. And what was really cool is um, when I was reading about Rebecca Sugar coming out as a non-binary woman, they had said that that's basically the Crystal Gems are all basically non-binary women. Because they're not
0: not really gendered even though they look like women.
1: Exactly. They're not really women because they don't really really have like gender. They're not really people. They're rocks. (laughs) But, um, (laughs) But like they fall in I, love and so that's I, I, pretty gay I want, I,
0: I want to like steven universe i just don't I, do, I think it's not for me the show but i've done a fair bit of research on it just because it deals with a lot of these issues uh yeah. my friend my friend kendall tried to get me to watch we watched a bunch of episodes together once and i'm like i don't like this yeah now, uh, it, which it, is fine
1: i've i had to power through like periods of the first season but then once i did i was like nice
0: <laughs> yeah, there's been a few shows where like I love that like you kind of need to power through like the beginning of it like Parks and rack yeah uh Star Trek Enterprise makes mm-hmm. a very bad first impression.
2: Oh, Jack, if uh, you ask me, that first seat the first half well, of the first the, season. Oh yeah, so, yeah, that's so
0: Rafael Rafael Bob Waxberg specifically did that on purpose.
2: Yeah, to get it greenlit, but
0: but like so uh I know that that's come out like it's changed how people review Netflix shows. Usually, you watch the first couple episodes. And people are like, oh, this is bad, and just like, oh, it sucks. And then once you push past that, the show is so good for yeah. so long that they I, I know uh, it's changed how people review Netflix shows, like, professionally. Yeah. Um,
2: All Netflix stuff. Let me give you the hot tip. If you haven't watched F is for Family, um, F is for Family is surprisingly good. And- I watched the
0: first season I think it's like takes place in the 70s right yeah, yeah. And the dad's like yeah. real
2: mean talks about putting people through walls his dad oh, is um that really? one
0: comedian uh Bill Burr. Burr. Bill Burr. Yeah. yeah
2: but I bring so this he was up into
0: Mandalorian for a minute
2: I bring this up because I'm making the hard read I'm putting all I'm betting it all on black that there's gonna be one of the kids is coming out next season calling it that I, I just I feel like they're building it up unless I'm just looking for it like I feel like they're building it but, up the
0: dad's ultra conservative, so it would be an interesting uh, way to and, and have some ch- have some quick drama. Yeah, I was about to say cheap, but not necessarily cheap. Looked done right.
2: Yeah.
0: All right, we'll we'll keep on the lookout for that. Um, but we've definitely gone for over an hour. I'll have to see what the time is on final editing here. Um, but thank you so much for me uh, for hanging out with me, guys. This was a very good conversation. Yeah. So it's something I've been wanting to talk bring up at the store or was I, because media was a reason I found out I am the way I am.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: I I've been wanting to do something. I did not know if it was going to be a blog post or something, but started doing this podcast in, you know, beginning of June, so it made a lot of sense to try to do this. Um Dolly, is there anywhere people can fo- follow you on social media or anything?
1: Yeah. Um Dolly shot, I'm on Facebook, Instagrams, Twitter. my twitter is mostly retweets um but it's there uh and uh yeah but yeah that's find me links yeah those three places i think are the biggest
0: sure haley do you have anything you want to plug
2: uh find me on instagram and twitter uh at at care about it it's -B B O B O W D I T. care about it but spelled like a pun
1: uh, okay. I mostly,
2: mostly post about music. I play the electric ukulele. It's a good time.
1: All right. Uh, we have oh, something we, in common. <laughs> there we got, I got to do a ukulele
0: episode and have you yeah. There oh, we go. Man.
2: There
0: oh, we yeah, go. So speaking of that, if you have any uh, ideas for future topics, please email us at contact.levelupentertainment.com or leave a message on this web zone wherever you happen to see it. Um, next episode, our uh, topic is going to be tabletop RPGs. We're gonna have a, I'm going to have a couple of guests on. We're going to talk tips for dungeon uh, mastering, tips for players. We're going to share some of our favorite stories from around the table. Um, but until next time, uh, stay safe out there, and we'll see you next time.